filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Ben, did you uh, did you do anything meaningful towards your internet identity lately? Subtle, Jason. I mean, yes, I did. I, I changed my my Twitter handle, but that seems l- less consequential for uh, you changing your Twitter handle because I change my Twitter handle all the time, and you don't. Yeah, I, I changed mine. Uh, after it's the same one I'd had since I got an account since and, the Twitter. Yeah. Well, it turned out, uh, and this kept happening over and over again. Uh, difficult to explain why your Twitter handle is chest Rockwell one four and people might want an explanation. Um, and oftentimes they don't want a long explanation, but there's no way to make it. There's no way to explain it quickly. Um, and so you find yourself very quickly uh, talking for too long or not giving people the information they wanted. And either way, so they're just was it a Boogie Nights reference? No, uh, it was a reference to Handsome Boy Modeling School. Um, but and nobody knows what it, that is. Which was itself, uh, some people know. I don't. No one. Um, <laughs> but uh, which was in and of itself a reference to Boogie Nights. So it's like a step removed. From so yes, from it was a reference to Boogie Nights. But that's but, not why I chose the name. Um, it was not, not John C. Riley's character in Boogie Nights right, that you were correct. referencing. Uh, well, character, it wasn't even his character. It was the character that his character was playing. Yes. Um, so you're but, three uh, levels removed. Yes. Um, and dead. so this is exactly why you have to not <laughs> have a name like that. Because you get into this sort of explanation that we've gotten into. And so that I, and this all occurred to me in like, 2012 2013 i was like we've been because at first it was like this is what people identify my dc united writing as in like the comments in like 2010 but after like two or three years of writing articles on a different site you would think it'd be like you know people have started to know a different a different have a different association maybe i could change they haven't well it took a few years just to write under your Given yeah, there was a well. there was a snafu within SB Nation's um, um, software. Basically, I had had like two Concacaf Champions League pieces published under my own name in like 2011 or something, and so since my name was taking up the Jason Anderson under the software, there was no way to transfer all of the rest of my writing into that. It, there was like a roadblock essentially. Um, I had to appeal to or um, coding overlords basically to get that resolved. Um, and eventually it got resolved, but it took a while. There, were, there was a stretch of time where it was just, I guess, deemed not worth the time uh, for someone that has, I'm sure, millions of things to do uh, coding wise that I don't even begin to understand. Um, but yeah, uh, the other problem I kept running into is that there are a lot of Jasons and there are maybe even more Andersons. Um, 
I had yeah. one. What I had one idea that I was very pleased with myself. Uh, I was going to do Andersocker, which is almost my last name. Uh, but then I found out that everyone in Brazil who has the first name Anderson, and it's a common first name for Brazilian men, um, every single one of them uh, seems to have started an Andersocker uh, Twitter account. Uh, and so there was just, it wasn't just that one person had it. I just kept scrolling and seeing the cascade of others that had thought of it. It's like, wow, this was not even unoriginal. This was beyond unoriginal. Um, and so then I was sad again. Uh, but finally, this I gave why, up and picked. Oh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, this is just why I enjoy my my last name and my first name, but particularly my last name being very uh Nobody has has them, so it's good for me. You you got some of the benefits of being. I think there are studies that show that like societally, people with a high a high in the alphabet last name tend to get some benefits that people with letters uh, their initials start later but, in the alphabet. Um, but you're an Anderson. You have the most. Yeah, what I'm saying is, is, as a Bromley, you're not too far behind, but you don't That's have true. the downfall of there being like roughly two million. Uh, dudes in Brazil taking your Twitter name that you That's thought true. was so clever and it wasn't clever. Uh, you just didn't. I'm just going to be here. I'm just going to be here in the back end of the alphabet with a yes. common name. Both Adam, the pitfalls. Adam uh, just completely uh, and totally trashed by society <laughs> due to his last name. Yep. So much so that my Twitter handle is a reference to a, a provision of the tax code. Happens to be my initials, but it's also a reference to the tax code. And it should we? I, I changed it once. I signed up for Twitter in 2008, and the first time I logged in, it like it, it was originally the hyphen AMT, and it wouldn't let me log in, or it made me it forced me to change it for some reason. So that's why the underscore is there, and it's made me crazy ever since. And I just 11 years later haven't changed it. <laughs> should we tell everybody Jason and Ma's new? Twitter names. I am nobody stopping you. <laughs> so mine is Bromley Soccer because it's just it's just what I can do and it's great. I mean Bromley Soccer is good for me. I I it, it's, after it's concise and good. I I after bouncing off of many names and finding the the untold uh, horde of people who have taken. Any sort of combination of Jay Anderson or Jason Anderson. I think there's like a shirtless dude that just has Jason Anderson. It's all one word. So great for him. Uh, he should maybe consider a shirt from time to time. Um, what, what, what if you consider not a shirt? So you're saying if I took my shirt off at all times, I might yeah. then get his I, Twitter handle? Sure. I, I don't think that would happen. I mean, I unless, think it, unless it was some kind of challenge like on the infield job. of Pimlico during Preakness. Like that—that's where that might get resolved. Um, Adam, you're talking about horse things. Maybe that should be you. No, I'm talking about Jason. drunken shirtless. No, you're things. talking about horse horse things. Preakness uh, is way more than a like horse you. thing. Yeah, pre- Preakness is definitely a real drunk in a hot, uh, muddy field thing uh, more than horses. Even though it is technically a horse race. No, but most of the Jason, people there. You just said just- real drunk in a field, and that just sounds like horse things to me. Uh, the, the people that are drunk in the field don't really even have any interest or in horse racing or horses. Uh, they're but, but they're in- Adam. I've never no, no, been to Preakness. A- Adam has too much good sense, I think, to go to Preakness, as, at least as part of the infield. Um, if he were to find his way into access to um, something more calm and less likely to get him like beaned by a full can of beer because he was running on top of uh, 
various portajons, which is a thing that has happened yeah. at Preakness. Um, I mean, it's a tradition at, at, at DC yes. United. Yeah. Look, if you go to Preakness, don't run across the portajons. And if you do run across the portajons, you better make sure you're fast enough to not get hit with beers because they will throw them at you. Um, even if you're like everyone, I'm just going to do this stupid thing. Don't add to it. They're going to add to it. Um, there's nothing you can say that will dissuade them. And in fact, anything you say is probably gonna make it worse. I mean, to um, their credit, the people, the drunk, no, crazy no, people in the no field of the Preakness are very good at yes and. <laughs> as, a, as an no. improv exercise, they do take it. No, uh, but I, I'm no budding this. <laughs> hey, hey, <clears throat> welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Disagreements About Improv Podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com and also Twitter. Uh, we talk about DC United on both of those websites and on this podcast. And tonight we have so much DC United to talk about. We will try to get to all of it uh, before we, we uh, fall asleep and or die and or the universe explodes um, or implodes, depending on you know what physics you subscribe to. Before we do anything, though, uh, I do want to mention that we have a second episode coming out later this week. It will feature Eugene Rapinski talking about a couple of the players that we are going to talk about tonight. And it will also feature Travis Clark helping us preview the MLS Super Draft and then take a little look at DC United's Academy setup. Before we uh, get to tonight's uh, or this episode's agenda, however, Ben, what are you drinking? Rum and Coke. That's it. Okay. No story behind it. No. Nah, nah. I like okay. it. It's good. What kind That's of rum? Cruzon. Regular Coke? Diet Coke? Vanilla Coke? Coke Zero. Coke Zero. I mean, I wish there was, I wish there was uh, van- uh, vanilla Coke Zero. That was more av- available, but it isn't. I was going to say, that does exist, right? It does, but not regularly available okay i'm drinking uh some local bourbon made here in the district uh borough bourbon made by republic restoratives it's uh it's good this is their third batch uh and this one was finished in armagnac casks and it's it's got a nice smooth finish it's it's a little bit spicy it's sweet because it's bourbon uh it's a it's a decent little drink it's hot my daughter, Thank you, Paris. My, no, my toddler says anything that is mildly spicy. She's like, it's hot. My kids decide, have decided that anything they don't want to eat is too spicy. Yep. Like this unseasoned pasta. No, it's too spicy. Yep. It's, well, uh, we, it's hot. Oh man. Kids. One of my friends, uh, his kid wanted, he, you know, he was making mixed drinks and his, 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 kid went through a, a phase of wanting to have whatever everyone else was having. And the way they dissuaded him from wanting alcohol, which he can't have because he's like a four-year-old is that the alcohol was, it's a spicy drink. Um, yep. And he'd be like, well, how spicy? He's like, oh, too spicy. I think for you. Um, <laughs> and so any alcoholic drink it's was hot. just a spicy drink. So I think there's like a, say, a similar wavelength thing happening. The, uh, it's hot. That's just, that's just yeah. good parenting. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I too hot for Jason. No, no it's my, not. 
My drink is not hot. Um, it is spicy in the terms we're talking, but not very spicy. Uh, it's a Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager, um, one of the local it's liquor stores. One. Yeah, it sells. They sell a um, a fifteen pa- or fifteen can case for fifteen dollars. So, um, if good. I wander in there without really knowing what the hell I'm going to do, uh, that is often an appealing uh, aspect because or an option because like a lager is a good beer year round. Yeah, it's true, and that's a good. Uh, Good example of the style. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. There really is so much to get to. Uh, First off, Edison Flores, we talked about him last week, and this has been a pretty fast-moving development. Sounds like he is all but official at this point, uh, possibly even in D.C. or Loudoun County. Uh, as you listen to this for a physical, uh, at least per Steve Goff's reporting. Uh, and once that's done, it could be announced very, very soon as a DC United player uh, terms with the player terms with uh, his team in, in Mexico, Morelia's uh, Monarca, Morelia Monarcas um, all worked out. It sounds like he is coming in uh uh, on a f- transfer fee of $5 million, which would be a record for DC United. It would break the record with by over a million dollars. Uh, and he would also be a very highly paid player. 2 million a year, I think was Pablo Mauer's reporting on that. Um, I, I'm excited. I think he's, I think he, at least from what I've seen on the sizzle reel um, and, and just kind of looking at it, uh, looks like he would be a player who could have success in MLS. Um, and, and I, I stand anyone who's a left footed attacker in the middle of the field, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big move. We, we, we all were saying, and we've all known that they needed to make a big move. Um, after Rooney left and Acosta left and Lucas Rodriguez left, um, that's a lot of goals and a lot of assists for a team that didn't score many goals. So um, we knew that something big was going to be coming. Um, I think it's probably uh, a big positive that we're looking more towards um, mid twenties um, fast. Uh, Flores is known for being pretty fast. Um, I think that's a big plus um, just overall uh, his skill set. I think is going to be really effective in MLS I haven't seen Morelia play too many games. Uh, the TV network situation in Mexico is that certain teams don't play on certain networks. And so you often don't see them until the playoffs. Um, but speaking of those playoffs, he scored three goals in four games in the Mexican playoffs that just ended. Um, we're he's talking a gamer, about it sounds like he yeah, steps up um, when the, when the lights are the brightest, cause he scored in the, uh, what was Copa it? The America, Copa America semifinal uh, yeah, semifinal. Um, he scored the game-winning penalty that got them to that semifinal when they went to um, penalty kicks against uh, Uruguay. Um, yeah, uh, he's been his 2019 is basically just you know full of success. It's, you know his um, the uh, Clausura uh, from back in the spring. He did well then. He did better in the Apertura uh, that just finished. In between that was the summer when he played in the Copa America and did well. Um, he was part of the 2018 world cup squad for Peru. Um, he's been just in excellent form. He's really, um, coming to his own, I guess. Um, and you know, I've seen some degree of skepticism, but I I don't, I don't get it. Um, 
I haven't seen him a ton, but people that watch more Mexican soccer than I do are like, yeah, this guy's going to be great. Um, people that I've spoken to that follow Peru's national team have said, you know, I, I think the exact quote was, he's so friggin' good. Um, so, you know, everyone that knows more about this player than I do is saying this is going to be a good one. So uh, I'm going to take them at their word. Um, it sounds like the right kind of player uh, for DC. You know, we, we don't know 100% if he's going to be on the left or in the middle because of all these other rumors that we've got to uh, plow through in this particular episode. But um, it sounds more like in the middle. Um, it sounds, I've seen some uh, data pointing to him being uh, pretty good at playing through balls, which is Ola Kamara's game. Um, so, and Paul Ariola's game, quite frankly. Yeah. So he might be the right, it's, you know, we've, talked about this before it's not just about go out and sign an expensive attacking player you've got to find the right player to fit with this group um and it sounds like he's he's going to be pro from a profile perspective we don't know how it's going to go but you know on paper and from the available data that's out there it looks like he is the right kind of player one thing i noticed on the the sizzle reels and i hate being the guy who brings up sizzle reels multiple times in one conversation, but this is where we are. Um, There were some fun back heels and uh, little tricks in there. And and if there's one thing we learned from, um, from the very first time Lucho Acosta stepped on the field at RFK, it's that DC United fans these days love sauce and that's a good thing. And if if Edison Flores brings that kind of sauce to Audi Field, uh, it's it could be a lot of fun. Uh, in addition to potentially being successful, um, when the word of of Flores signing uh, was first reported and and then moved very quickly after that point, uh, there was some question, I think reasonably, about whether the pursuit of Brian Lozano, which we talked about last week, would would be continuing or or whether it would uh, it would fade because they got their five million dollar player breaking their, I, I think not just their single player transfer fee, but their their single window combined transfer fee would be shattered by this one move. And so paying another player who could potentially be twice as expensive or more uh, it wouldn't seem to be in the cards. However, it seems like it, it, it might be it's up in the air at this point. Uh, all reports are that DC United is continuing to per- continuing to pursue uh, Lozano. Steve Goff reported that they'd actually agreed to personal terms with the player. So all it's down to is, getting a fee settled with uh, Santos Laguna, his club in Mexico. Um, that's uh, a big deal. DC United trying to, you know, essentially make a double swoop here for, for two attacking players. Um, and, and Lozano, I think I I've seen a little bit more of him and I think Jason, you have too. Uh definitely a good player <laughs> down there. Uh, best 11 in the apertura for, for Mexico for Liga MX East this year. Uh, yeah, he was, he was pretty spectacular. I mean, that best 11 was not, um, this is not the NWSL best 11 in which no one understood how it happened. This one was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, I think it was nine goals, six assists um, for, for Santos. And that's, you know, the, their season setup is they split it in half. So it's 17 games. Um, so that's a, you know, one goal or one assist per game for an entire season 
for you know one of the best teams in Mexico, which is to say one of the best teams in North America. Um, that's a big deal. Um, I am still thinking that it's it's probably not going to work. It sounds like um, the sides are a little too far apart, um, which is a shame because you know uh, Pablo Maurer from the Athletic had an interview with Lozano where he said, "Yeah, the um, a move to MLS, I'd be open to it. It sounds like the right thing." Um, he wasn't saying like I have to leave Santos immediately. It wasn't anything like that. But it was like you know if if a move is is up or if someone's up for moving for me, then I'd be interested. Um, the fact that the team is or someone involved in the process is is allowing that um, contract terms were agreed um, is a sign that it's not dead. Um, because then you you wouldn't even they wouldn't even be worth talking about anymore. But it's a kind of situation where it's not just going to happen. Like Santos isn't just going to you know, three days from now, be like, uh, all right, fine. We'll, we'll take half of what we demand uh, when we're talking about millions and millions of dollars. Um, that's not going to happen most likely. But what could happen is if if he were to start to agitate to um, be allowed to move, it might sort of force them, uh, Santos, into some flexibility that might otherwise not be there. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. It's just more of a how how could this possibly work out? I think that's the way it would have to go. Um, and mm-hmm. players don't necessarily, I mean, some players do that cause they get mad and it becomes just an emotional reaction, but if they're more strategic or if their agent is more strategic, you know, once you do that, you kind of get labeled as difficult in future negotiations, rightly or wrongly. So, um, that's why you don't see it that often, but you know, it, it's not ruled out. It's just probably unlikely. It's probably going to be a little too much of a stretch for DC from the fee perspective, um, which is a shame because, you know, this thing kind of went from, well, it's a long shot, but who knows to like, well, maybe they could actually make both of these deals, which would be preposterous given a, our recent history. It's a paradigm shifting sort of thing. Right. Um, it, so I mentioned Flores, the fee reportedly is going to be around or, or a little more than, than $5 million uh, from Steve Goff. It sounds like DC United wants to pay around $6 million for Lozano. Uh, Santos Laguna reportedly wants twice that amount. They're asking $12 million. Uh, there were some... I think, I think Pablo uh, tweeted out that Portland had one in for 10 I want to say. Um, he said Portland I I, was, was sniffing around. I didn't see him put a, I, I've put got a number it on somewhere, it. Um, um, but I, I don't know. There's so many things today that it's, it's hard to even... Um, keep up with which one's which uh i think this is one of those yeah, areas too because lafc it, was reportedly in for 12 million dollars at one point then, as well but, but it's mls doubt. when you're not supposed to bid against each other if right. you're not supposed to bid and, on a player if you don't have his league rights and dc united reportedly have so, his league rights So there's a difference between bidding and having interest though that's true um, and so maybe this was more of a situation where lafc maybe let it be known that they would be interested um uh pablo his tweet about Portland was that the interest was above 10 million, uh, 10 million plus is how he put it. Um, but again, that's interest. That's not necessarily actually, actually having to um, formally do anything. Um, so DC is in the position where they're the one team that as of now can formally do something. So, um, you know, it could be a scenario where they, they can't come to a deal. So they trade the MLS uh, dibs, uh, is which is what it actually is yes. um, to one of these other teams because, you know, DC's committing money to Brian Flores. So, um, you know, you, as Flores. much as, 
Yeah, yeah, Edison Flores. Sorry, uh, we're again, just going to combine them into one player. Many, there's too many things happening. Um, Bryson Flozano. Right. <laughs> of course, uh, the the two headed player that DC United will will sign next year. Yes. Hopefully, MLS will allow DC to field both players as one rather than counting as two because that's a disadvantage at that point. The problem um, is if they get a red heads, card, they're both but gone. only one body means you know 10, 10 field players but eleven brains. Um, not the ideal. I th- I'm hoping that they can get this uh, the league to give them a uh, a waiver on that. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, once you commit that, you know, DC's already breaking their transfer record by more than Lucho Acosta over the, uh, the cost of the previous record. So um, once you commit that towards one player, you might not have then have the option of turning around and putting more towards uh, Lozano or somebody else in that class. It might be, um, you know, they, they could still go for another designated player. It's just, maybe it's not a Lozano type of player. Maybe it's uh, someone in the 1 million, 2 million range. We'll have more on um, both Flores and Lozano in a second episode later this week with Eugene Rapinski from FMF State of Mind. So so definitely look in your podcast feed for, for that uh, after this one comes out. Another name that has now been connected to DC United and that I, I don't know that anybody saw coming is uh, 2018... FIFA Ballad d'Or winner Luka Modric, which well, it wasn't. It was the Golden Ball at the World Cup. Oh, sorry, um, did Golden he also ball. win? That's right. Not he might not have, he might have won both. Um, I thought he. I thought he was the World Player of the Year, but um, that might have been a false memory. No, he, um, no, he was. He was okay. So yes. yeah, he he Golden Ball at the World Cup, Ballon d'Or uh, for also, the year. If you're if you're a Wikipedia editor and you want to fix something real quick, you can go to the 2018 Ballon d'Or page, which has a bunch of um, HTML in where there should just be presentable text in an article. So um, it's, Wikipedia. it's not, oh. yeah, it's not quite right. So if you're addicted to editing Wikipedia pages, there's a project for you. Anyway, Luka Modric, potential DC United player. Um, he is out of contract as of this coming summer. So he would be a midseason uh, addition for DC United. Um, assuming he doesn't stay in Europe or go to one of the many other places that would surely love to have Luka Modric, um, not just in MLS, obviously, but the world, Japan, Saudi Arabia are both countries that I've seen floated. And again, Real Madrid may want to keep him around because he's still an extremely good player. Um, if I, I'm not even sure where to start <laughs> on, on this, um, it's it's like the Wayne Rooney rumor when it first started. Only um, somehow more out there, just because he won the Ballon d'Or a year ago. Um, he, he's a midfielder. For those of you who don't know. Uh, who don't watch a lot of Luka Modric. Um, and he's a fun player too. Um, but uh, one thing that occurred to me is that if DC United does land both Flores and Lozano, they would be fresh out of DP slots. And so the the 
kind of simultaneous nature of all this has me wondering whether a Paul Areola sale could be in the works this summer well, as and well. They also pay his contract down to Tam, if I'm not mistaken. That's true. Uh, He's a, with he Tam, could be Tam level. Tam. Um, so that's a possibility. Um, but we don't know that like his contract may have pay increases that take it beyond that threshold. We don't know that. It's and we don't know what the CBA will prospect. be this year. Yeah. We, yeah. We're, you know, three weeks from finding out whether MLS will have a league in the schedule that was expected. So um, all of this is kind of, it's an interesting situation because um, if DC, we, we had this chat um, not on this podcast, but in uh, a different venue, um, if DC had had a more successful end of season last year and they had kept the band together, uh, so to speak, and didn't have to make so many important signings, they would probably be standing pat right now waiting for the CBA to work itself out. That's why a lot of teams, a lot of the better teams in the league have sort of not tried to make too many big moves. The teams making the big moves have all been the teams that weren't so good last year. So that's why Kansas city is making a big move for Alan Polito or um, Vancouver signed Lucas Cavallini. Um, The teams that have to make a move because if January, you know, the end of January comes in the CBA, is unsurprising and it's something that you could have worked around, but now you have 18 guys on your team and, you know, preseason has begun already. You're in a really bad spot. You're going to struggle that year. Um, so I think I mean, also, I, guess- I don't know how many, how many TAM level guys have been announced or, you know, just regular roster spots that aren't just re-signing players. You mean around for, the for everyone? Or, oh, for everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's not none, but it's, it's been slower. Yeah. Um, I think there's been, like a, a larger proportion of the signings that we've seen that have been announced have been those high level DP players. Mm-hmm. And some of that's just because that's what you remember. Those are the ones that are worth noticing. Um, right. But I think also there have been fewer trades. There have been fewer free agent signings within MLS than we've seen in, in recent years. And I think some of, a lot of that is because of the CBA, but you know that DPs are going to be around. You don't know what TAM is going to look like next year. You don't know what those kind of senior level right. uh, contracts might look like next year. So those are the ones that have been on the back burner, but DP, you know that there there's going to be a, a maximum salary budget hit and that team, the teams are going to absorb anything above that. So you can sign those DP players. Um, and a lot of the good teams just they don't need to go out and sign a DP desperately this January. If, whereas if you're if you're good, generally speaking, those are the players that are set, and the, the, you know those exactly they're going to be good. Exactly. So you, they don't need to make those, but they're also easy to make, even with the CBA up in the air for everyone Easier. else. I mean, there's still you know your budget is still definitely a like an uncertainty. But right. you can either be uncertain and stand still and then hope to scramble at the end if things work out um, or you can take the chance. So on one, I mean, in a way, it's a good sign that D.C. is taking the chance because they are taking a chance like these are uh, risks to be taking when you don't know exactly how you're going to put your roster together uh, because or you have an idea, but you don't know for sure. Yeah, I mean, they know that the budget isn't going to shrink next year yeah so that that seems like you can bet on that pretty reliably (laughs) without thinking like oh actually mls is taking the cap back to 1.2 million for everybody designated players are out good luck minimum salary back to 40k we're we're doing Uh, 96 again we're at the 25th anniversary celebration holding everything on (laughs) 1996 mls rules 
When we asked for throwbacks, that's <laughs> not what we meant. <laughs> we didn't mean literally bring back the polyester three stripe jerseys. We just wanted to look the same and look like a cool throwback. Too bad. Uh, Shootout clocks oh no. and uh, everyone is making no money. You know, honestly, it's 2020 and, and six days into this year, and that would not surprise me at this it's point. Be chaotic. <laughs> the, this year already, year of chaos. We're less than a week into it, and it's already the year of chaos. Um, anyway, Luka Modric. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, a pretty spectacular player. Um, someone that's good on both sides of the ball as well. Like you look at him and you think, okay, he's small, he's skinny. He's a number 10. He's not going to necessarily contribute a ton, but he's actually really physically tough, um, mentally tough. Um, he's lived through the pressure of playing at Real Madrid for many years. Um, Croatia's run in the last world cup was not entirely inspired by him, but a lot of it was inspired by him. Um, yeah, uh, he. I, I wouldn't worry about his age. Uh, maybe his. He's had a couple of injuries, but that might be as a result of overexerting in 2018. You know, you you don't really get that summer off, and then the following season you might have a problem. Um, but uh, you know, this is someone who still regularly plays for Real Madrid. Um, those guys don't just show up in MLS very often or ever. I mean, I think the last one was David Beckham, literally. <laughs> and he signed when he wasn't playing regularly and then yeah. got back into it. And and then re- was actually very sad that he had signed, it turned out. <laughs> um, we he had a Joe that. Bluth moment. Well, we forget we forget that part of the whole David Beckham mythology uh, that is the multiple off-seasons um, off, or yeah. even into the season. He often loan. didn't want to be in MLS. Um, <laughs> he often regretted it, um, no matter how financially lucrative it was. But anyway, we shouldn't get mired on that. We've got enough on our plate. Well, that's team owner David Beckham now. Of, of <laughs> the, the very blandly dressed inter-Miami. Um, again, we've got too much oh, to get man. to. Um <laughs> Actually, we're getting through this list pretty quickly, quicker than I thought we would. Um, Steve Goff reporting that we could see, uh, I think his word was essentially a pivot to Europe. A couple of guys who will not be DPs from Europe um, could be filling out the roster. We don't know if that means that they'd be TAM level, if they would be um, more journeyman, regular salary type players. We don't know. They're just mystery Europeans at this point. And there are around two of them. So detectives go to work. (laughs) I've given you enough information to figure this out. Um, No update right now anyway on Gelman Rivas or Christian Aleman, who we talked about last week, uh, a forward and a, an attacking midfielder that we, um, that, that we, could be seeing that DC United approached. Um, if we hear more on that, we will pass it along. Um, I guess we should get to the bad news now. Um, it's fun to talk about new DPs and Luka Modric, but the bad news is that there is real German interest in Russell Knaus, uh to the point that DC United has rejected a proposed loan offer for him that would have paid them 300,000 and, and seen was it, was it Dinamo Dresden 
that made this offer um, reported by Pablo Maurer. Um, And, and he would go over there to East Germany and they would take his salary off the books. And if they, they're currently in the the second Bundesliga uh, trying to stay up there in last place. They're they're at the bottom. Yeah. They're they're, they're six points below the relegation line. So he would have a fight on his hands. Um, And presumably if they stayed up, he would, uh, they, they would probably want to buy him permanently. And if they don't, maybe he shows off well enough for another German club to, to try to buy his services from DC United. Um, we all like Russ. I mean, I, I think, I don't know if there's a DC United fan that doesn't love Russell Knauss and the I mean, way he plays and what he brings to the field. I, I just want to take a second to shout out um, sometimes host of this show, Greg Roach, who went out and bought a Knauss jersey immediately uh, yeah. on uh, seeing him back in 2017, I think it took like one game or two games when he made that move. Yeah, I think um, I think on this podcast we were the second quickest in the entire fan base to jump on the Canals train. Like we were saying, you know, he might be the real biggest acquisition from this window, more than Stieber, more than Ariola. Um, yeah, but, but Roach I mean, was the first. Roach yeah, was he, the first. He was putting his money where his mouth was. Yeah, um, literally. <laughs> um. Oh man, I didn't even think about how Roach would be dealing with this. Um, stay strong, Greg. <laughs> well, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I don't, I, I don't think that this is the move. Um, I'm not saying that there isn't someone out there. Maybe also, I mean, um, Canals talked to Pablo Maurer today um, mm-hmm. because everyone was was writing everything today, um, and he said, you know, he has no regrets about playing for DC United. He's happy to be here, but also. Um, there is a sense of, you know, maybe unfinished business in Germany. Um, he didn't go there as a teenager to play a couple of years and come back. He wanted to play there for a long, long time. Um, so, um, I don't know if Dresden is the, the spot that's going to bring him back because East German clubs, East German businesses across the board, um, generally since the fall of communism, there, there are, there's a major economic problem. There's a, they just have not been able to catch up or even get closer. Um, the the gap is, if anything, bigger than it was at the end of uh, communism, which we're not the podcast to get into all of that. But it's a fact. And Dynamo Dresden is a business and they don't have a lot of money. There's a reason that they just barely got into the uh, two Bundesliga and they're now bottom of the table. It's because they, they don't have any money. Um, so it would shock me if they had the money to make this deal viable. Um, it would also kind of, uh, I, I mean, it has to be noted that, you know, the last time they were in the news for anything uh, in the English speaking world was some of their fans decided to bring Nazi paraphernalia to a game. Um, and that doesn't mean that every Dynamo Dresden fan is a Nazi. It just means that some of them brought Nazi stuff to a game for some reason. Um, and I, it's that's fair to say that. some of them are literally Nazis. If you've got Nazi are, paraphernalia, I mean, some that of kind them of are very probably literal Nazis. Yes. Um, so that's not, not good. Not a good look. Uh, it doesn't mean that that's going to go into the moves because, you know, in international soccer, you don't always get to pick your club based on their politics uh, matching your own. Um, but it, it financially, it does not seem like the kind of club where he's going to end up. Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other clubs in that league. Uh, watching that might be like, well, you know, they can't afford it, but maybe we can. Um, so 
it's it's probably an ongoing situation. It's probably something that we'll have to keep an eye on because DC's got um, Felipe. Uh, his contract is like just under the um, TAM threshold. Uh, so they've got his, that's on the books this year. It was Vancouver's problem in uh, 2019. DC now has to account for that this year. Junior Moreno doesn't come cheap. All three of those guys want to be starting defensive midfielders. So, um, you know, the ideal is that one of those guys is not starting and is pushing really hard to get back into the starting lineup so that you've got um, that that iron sharpens iron, so to speak, thing going on in, in your midfield. That would be the best. But, you know, that requires a certain level of man management to keep that third player happy enough that he isn't causing problems or just becomes despondent and just loses his edge. Um, it's a really difficult balancing act. So it could be a situation where DC says this is too much spending uh, on three players for two positions. Um, but we don't know. Um, it's kind of an out of the blue thing. No one was expecting a random club from the German second division to come in for Russell Knauss this offseason. The, the existing DC player we thought might be a transfer target at this point of the year was Paul Ariola. Which or Junior also, Moreno. We haven't heard anything about the, uh, uh, either of those situations. I think Moreno at least has had some sort of green card related meeting. So I think he's not looking to leave anytime soon. Yeah, um, that's true. Well, you know, the, also, like, if the right opportunity comes along, it changes things really quickly. Yeah, I mean, you get South American national teamer who played well against Messi. You expect that there could be some some interest in him from it could you know, be. somewhere. Because um, that's the kind of thing that catches eyes. Um, yeah, so uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Russ at this point. It sounds like DC United rejected the $300,000 loan offer. Um, if, if somebody came in with a full-blown transfer offer or a, a loan fee that was higher, who knows? Um, but they, it would they be... Categorize, they categorize that as not close, I believe was the word. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's right from so, Pablo's report. Yeah. Um, so so we'll see what, what happens there. But it, it's kind of like Lozano. It's not close doesn't mean dead. Um, and and both of those are are not close right now. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think we'll end the show tonight with some, I'm going to call it good news um, because I, I, I love this kid and I want to see him back in black and red. Uh, some unsourced rumors. I'm going to emphasize that. <laughs> this is very speculative good news. Uh, unsourced rumors out of Belgium that Andy Nahar could be leaving Anderlecht. And if he does so, would be coming back to DC United. That would be awesome. I, I I refuse to acknowledge anyone who would not be happy with Andy Nahar coming home. Um, however, these are unsourced rumors. I think the unsourced rumors in Belgium were picked up by Honduran press and started writing about them as if they were real. Um, but as as near as we can tell, uh, these these remain totally unsourced. Um, yeah, it, it, to the point of being speculation. Yeah, um, the the article uh, from the Belgian outlet, it, it has guys that they know are coming in, guys that they know are leaving. And then it has like options uh, is the next line for each. And so it's these are guys that might show up uh, and play for Anderlecht and guys that might be leaving. And Ander, Andy Nahar is in the might be leaving category. Um, and then on top of that, it's just a list of names and clubs they might go to. And 
in this article, it says Andy Nahar, DC United. And that's it. That is the full context. That's all you get. Um, so it's one of those, it sounds a lot like someone was like, okay, I think he's going to leave. Where's the most likely place for him to go. We've been putting one, one club name after everyone we think is going to go. I know what about his old club, DC United done move, moving on down my list. Um, we've got, which is, I mean, this is what happens in transfer writing, especially, uh, in Europe. It's very common to just be like, yeah, yeah, he's going there. Everyone's uh, got then, content to farm, Jason. And then maybe maybe you end up being accurate, but probably you don't. Um, and uh, my advice to everyone, this is not legal advice. This is uh, soccer media advice. Remember that most of these guys are batting like 50 instead of batting 300 or, or higher. Um, it's a very low percentage thing. And don't get the confirmation bias thing where you're like, well, he was right that one time. Like, yes, but he was wrong 20 other times. Um Remember that kind of honestly thing. one out of 20 feels high. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. It's probably generous. Um, one out of 20 for certain rumor uh, spots would be pretty good. I mean, this, um, this piece had players from every team in the Belgian top flight. Yes. It, it, and, yeah, they were covering everybody. And if, it, which is, you know, probably uh, any, the number of players, there were probably what 12 players just for Anderlecht. At least I think it might've been more. Yeah, um, so you're talking a couple hundred players. If ten of these pan out uh, from right. the options, then that's that's an incredibly high percentage. Um, but it still means the vast majority of them don't. So uh, if Andy were to come back to DC, I would be first in line to buy a jersey with his name and number on the back because uh, I didn't get one the first time around. And uh, he's a homegrown player. He's a great story. And I would love him to come home and play really well for, for DC United at Audi Field. That'd be super fun. But right now, it's barely speculation. So uh, still, happy yeah. thought to end the show. Yeah, it would be cool. And there's a reason to be like, well, maybe. Um, I mean, right back is a position of need. And, yeah, and we know and, that and- he can play it. And, you know, if the the past instance of them trying to trade um, or possibly trying to trade or um, Ulysses Segura or Emmanuel Boateng or both came to pass, then they would also need somebody that could step in on the wing as well, which Nahar can do that. Um, so, yeah, there there is reason to be like, you know, that could actually be a thing. But we're at the point where we're just saying, like, well, these things could combine well if they were to come to pass we're not at the point of you know andy posting to twitter for the first time in forever and it's like hey guys i'm in dc what's up um we're not there yet we're not even close i will i will pop a tiny champagne bottle when when andy changes his twitter bio to (laughs) to being in dc um you know just visualize the change you want to see in the world make it happen i think there's probably some self-help book about that. Um, that's all I've got on my notes for this. We got through it in relatively decent time, you know, for us. Anything else you guys want to add? I, I think we've said too much. I mean, almost certainly that's, that's the case. Thank you all for listening to this episode. Be sure to stick around uh, and and check your podcast feed later in the week for a second episode from us featuring Eugene Rapinski and Travis Clark talking about uh, some of the players we mentioned tonight and, and the MLS Super Draft coming up this Thursday. 
January 9th. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com. Uh, support us financially if you're so inclined at patreon.com slash filibuster. I would expect that our, our Patreon patrons will get early access to that second episode. That's kind of the way we've been uh, setting these up when we do second episodes and look for uh, the, those two episode weeks to, to come back. I think once the, the season starts, uh, I think we'll, we'll give it another run out like we did at the end of 2019. Uh, follow us on Twitter at filibuster DCU at black and red U plus the various personal Twitter accounts we ran through at the, the top of the episode. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth. That's that's the the way to go in 2020 or or something. I don't know. That's a make it a New Year's resolution to tell a friend about filibuster. There. You needed a, a, a resolution. Late, a late New Year's resolution. It's not that late. It's only a it's less than a week late. You can, it's grace period. There's a one week grace period to make resolutions <laughs> during, during new year's week, <laughs> new year's week. It's a thing. Um, we're making it a thing for Jason and Ben. I'm Adam and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I will never resolve during new year's week.